Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, now we're going to go uh, in, so grab your notes. We're going to jump into some important uh, conversations uh, that we're calling Cave Time, how God meets us in dark places. So let me tell you how this started, kind of an interesting connection of two different ideas. So uh, one of the things that we do, and you can pray for us, every Tuesday mornings, uh, I convene a group. Uh, When I'm out of town, Pastor Trevor convenes a group. We call it our teaching team. And uh, this is all of the pastors, the presenters of content on the weekends. Uh, We have all of those who teach. So uh, that is uh, Curtis and Brandon and uh, Ephraim and Trevor and myself and Jessica. And we come together and we work on content. And one of the things that I told the teaching team, especially our younger pastors, as I said, really a lot of the ways that I've come to learn in my own ministry that God Uh, gives me ideas about what it is on the stage that we need to talk about. It really comes from these private conversations that I have during the week off the stage. So this is an important uh, part of what we do, but there's a lot of work that happens off the stage. And a lot of these private conversations, these uh, important conversations that uh, we have around a cup of coffee or in someone's home or someone's place of business, give you an idea about where uh, we are as God's people in terms of what we need to learn. And so I said, we should keep track of those conversations. And so we were kind of working on a list back in the fall. And then uh, my best friend, you guys know, Pastor George, just finished another book entitled uh, Cave Time, where he talked about many of the same topics that we were identifying. I want to show you, there he is. And uh, in fact, I've asked Pastor George is going to be with us on May 6th to talk about what he's learned around this topic and around this idea. So what we did is we said, okay, so there's something going on here. We have this idea. We have the conversations that we're having uh, on each of our campuses. And we said, what if we blend all of these things together and have some deeper conversations around many of the experiences that all of us are having right now in uh, our world and in this particular moment of our collective history. And so that's where this idea uh, came together. And so um, we're not really preaching George's book, but we are uh, stealing George's title. And so we're going to, we just wrapped all of these conversations together around this idea of cave time. Many times when I'm through preaching and I greet in the lobby, sometimes you guys will say things like this. And it's very kind. You'll say, man, I just feel like you're, you're living in my closet and you're saying exactly what I'm going through in my life. Here's, here's the disclaimer. I am not living in your closet. I am living in my wife's closet. And I am living in my closet. And, and I, a lot of times when I'm preaching on Sundays, if I could just be honest with you, I am preaching to myself and I let you listen to me. How about that? And Beth, Beth just said amen to that. He's preaching 
to himself. And so uh, I want to have a conversation and kind of push the needle a little bit, if you will, into some important topics. And in fact, I want to show you what these topics are. are. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about different things like this. I think, team, we have a list, don't we? There it is. Fear, depression, anxiety, temptation, grief, and hopelessness. Anybody identify? There it is, right there. And so this morning, we're going to begin the conversation with another topic, and the topic is anger. Anybody identify? Like it just the room just cooled off just a little bit. And so to begin this morning, I'm going to take you, quite honestly, to one of the weirdest stories in the entire Bible. And I'm going to be honest with you, our teaching team, we wrestled whether we would even use this story because it's so problematic. And so just because I believe that God is so powerful and it's more about God and really less about me in this moment, I'm convinced God is going to teach us something in this most bizarre story. So we're going to go to the book of Judges buried way down deep into the Old Testament, and we're going to read a story from a guy's life, and the guy's name is Samson. How many of y'all have ever heard of Samson? Samson and who? Look at that. There you go. This is not about Samson and Deliah, but this is something that happens, I think, in in a, a connection to it. So we're going to read in Judges chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And because we honor God's word, uh, even when it's a little unique, we're going to invite you to stand. <laughs> Judges 15, 1 through 8. So this is Samson's vengeance on the Philistines. So here's the story. So later on, it says... At the time of wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and he went to visit his wife. And he said, I'm going to go, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her sister, younger sister, more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to them, this time I have a right then to get even with the Philistines and I will really harm them. So he went out and he caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. And when the Philistines asked, who did this? They were told, Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, Since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. And then he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. And then he went down and stayed in a cave 
in the rock of Edom. And now would you welcome Pastor Trevor as he comes to share. The word of God for the people of God? Amen. Let's close in prayer. You can have a seat. I was uh, thinking uh, when we were teeing this up, have I ever preached from not only the life of Samson, but from the book of Judges in, I don't know, 34 years of ministry? And here's the quick answer, no, (laughs) I haven't. And I think you're super kind to say, when I say word of God for the people of God, and you say thanks be to God, because when you read this, the big question in the room is, what? (laughs) What is happening here? And I think I would say, if I were to try to put a couple of things over the top of this, um, I always suggest to people, of course, this is always a space and a time, right, when uh, we are going to humble ourselves under the ministry and the teaching of God's word. Uh, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is our reflexive exercise in this time. And for those of you that are new, this is kind of what we do, is uh, we will have uh, some worship as a way to get our hearts ready and get our hearts in tune. And then we will normally, I think what Christian churches do is we read God's word and then we reflect on it for our daily lives. And my assignment in this space is to bridge a context is to take an idea that might be buried in historicity and might be buried in a bunch of things we don't understand and pull it up into the current context and help us see its implications for our daily lives. And so that's what we're doing in a space like this. And I always tell people that when you're first becoming a reader of Holy Scripture, here's what I would do and what I still do in my own life. I start with what is known and clear and obvious and I, and, I, and I sit under it in a sense of humility and submission. And I say, okay, okay, God, what do I need to learn from this? And I move out to the edges of what is unclear and unknown. Now, if you flip the script and you start with what is unknown and unclear, here's what you'll do. You'll become a judger of Scripture when Scripture rightfully applied should actually judge you. That's not the exercise. And I talk to people a lot who want to lift up certain barriers, and we're going to talk about that even in this series, but um, this is one of those moments where I think really the window, the opportunity for us is to take something that seems very bizarre and to say, oh God, can you even make this live and breathe for us? And here's what I believe. I believe he can. Uh, Samson is a unique figure and a weird figure. Um, He was... uh, born uh, to a couple who uh, faced infertility, and finally God hears from heaven, we learn, and answers their prayer. Many of us can identify with that sort of experience. And uh, uh, we know Samson's uh, dad's name is Manoah. We don't, under, we don't know who his wife's name. His wife is unnamed. And because um, he has given to this couple who faced years of infertility, uh, God says he will live as a Nazarite, which is uh, uh, back in the day, back in biblical times, was that he would subscribe to certain practices called a Nazarite vow, 
And then in addition to those practices, he would live a life holy before God. But he did not. And if I were to tell you about really the life of Samson and what I would want us to understand about Samson, first of all, I would set in the context of the book of Judges. And I would say the book of Judges is one of the, the most difficult books in the entire Bible to read. It's filled with horrific violence. It's filled with all kinds of um, relational misconduct. We read some of it just a few moments ago. And it's, it's filled with all of this incredible challenge and violence and drama and angst. And it's difficult. And, and here's the emblem I would put over the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a cautionary tale that shows us what happens when we cast off restraint of every kind and run headlong to do whatever we want to do with our lives. Now that has a context for today. Anyone say amen to that? And inside of that sort of window is the life of Samson. Samson's life becomes a cautionary tale of someone who is filled with purpose and filled with meaning, as every life is filled with purpose and filled with meaning, and he squanders it to do whatever he wants to do. He takes the blessings of God and he uses them for his own gratification. And while we can't understand all of the weirdness of the book of Judges, we can understand Samson's problem. And Samson had a problem with anger. How many of you would say you know somebody that has a problem with anger? How many of you would be willing to say you've ever struggled with anger? This morning we were uh, working on the slides early and we had the the title of the slide uh, ready and Jessica saw this and we changed it. I wanted to show you what we actually had when we got here this morning. Dr. E. Dale Locke in the cave of anger. (laughs) And Jessica said, do you want it to actually say that? And we said, maybe, maybe not. But we all struggle with anger. Um, And here's the interesting thing. Um, Anger is something that is both addictive and contagious. We'd agree, right? It's addictive and it's contagious. You get started, you can't stop. It seems to bleed out. If you're an angry person, you bleed it out all over everybody else. And we are living in a day, I think, that this is really, really true. Um, Psychologists suggest to us some different ideas uh, about anger, and I want to move forward. There is um, one of the things they talk about, or that we talk about if we're going to understand anger. First of all, there's what's referred to as righteous anger. And righteous anger is something that um, uh, is, uh, in definition, something that, that God allows and uses and, frankly, even models for us when, um, when, when, when we come against something that is a dark force in the world. 
And so righteous anger is a really important thing. We might remember the story in the New Testament where Jesus uh, casts out the money changers in the temple. And we remember that as a time when they were turning the house of God that was to be a house and a place of prayer into a place of profit. And, and Jesus, in a moment of uh, righteous anger, uh, you know, defends the causes of God in the world. Uh, underneath righteous anger, there is something called, which I think would be defined as anger for the right reasons. Uh, those who study this thing, sociologists and psychologists tell us this, that uh, anger sometimes is good because it, we, we assert our rights uh, and, and we defend what's important. It helps us express and name negative emotions, and it will motivate us to find solutions to our problems. But there's a, there's a tension in this sometimes that we can get lost in, in that if we're not careful. I remember the story of a, of a young dad who was going through a grocery store, and he was going down the aisle, and he had his little son with him and 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 you could or and the son is pitching a fit and you can overhear the dad going it's okay Johnny it's all right Johnny you're gonna you're doing great we're almost through Johnny we're gonna get in the car we're gonna go home Johnny everything's gonna be okay and this lady who was kind of tracking with him down the grocery aisle you know was just so overtaken by his compassion for his son came up and said to him you know I I just want to tell you I know you're a young dad but you're doing well we've all been through moments like this and it's just so cool the way that you're loving little Johnny and he said that's not little Johnny I'm Johnny <laughs> this is Timmy <laughs> and 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 so if we're not careful that can get away from us and 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 the kind of anger that I want to talk about just for a few moments this morning is called bad or human anger it's the kind of anger that we see reflected in the story of Samson an anger out of control an anger for anger's sake and here's an interesting thing we did some research on this that um, those who study this sort of thing suggest to us as historians that we will be remembered in our current culture in this moment we find ourselves in is that we are living in a heightened, angry age. Anybody disagree with that? Uh, It seems like almost every day you see an example of another person losing their temper on an airplane. Uh, We have road rage. We have uh, all kinds of abuse going on in our world. We have random shootings, calculated violence. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, Better Homes and Gardens did a survey of the 100 angriest cities in America, okay? I want to tell you how we did. First of all, there was Bangor, Maine that was down at 99, and I started thinking about that. Well, that snows so much, nobody goes outside to get angry. (laughs) And then another one was... um, Fargo, North Dakota was the least angry. And I thought, well, nobody lives in Fargo, North Dakota. But in Florida, there were three cities 
of all of the states, we were listed three times. And uh, first of all, I would tell you Jacksonville was number nine. That's interesting. I don't know why. Um, And then Miami was listed as number seven. But then if you read down, it says what's called the Miami Corridor, which is Dade, Broward, and who? There we are. And Orlando was listed as the angriest city in America. And I thought, well, it seems that in a city of mandated happiness, Mickey Mouse is ticked off. (laughs) Right? Ed Stetzer, who is a futurist and a theologian, has this interesting thing to say, and I want you to see it. He says this, the age of outrage, which is where we're living, has succeeded in trapping Christians by wrapping itself in one very appealing lie that for those who follow Christ, our anger is righteous anger. That's kind of challenging. And then he goes on and notice what he says here. He says, righteous anger must be, wait for it, righteous. (laughs) So this means that God is looking for a certain character to our anger. Scriptures consistently warn us about the proclivity of anger to turn into sin when we are reckless, unthinking, and selfish. So I think I've made my case that this is a problem, and I think it's a problem in our culture. And one of the things that I want to bring to you and offer as a challenge to us as we move forward through all of these different clicks in the wheel and we talk about these important issues is that my goal, my hope, my prayer is that we raise the tide amongst those of us who self-identify as followers of Jesus. Shouldn't our anger or our approach to anger be different than the world? And one of the things I notice a lot of times when the church, the capital C church, is evaluated up against the values of the world Can I be clear? Honestly, there's only marginal difference. And that's not good enough. And so one of the things that I think is a real important idea that we want to talk about in these subjects together uh, is quite honestly is just simply to address them head on and to offer what we would suggest to you might be some ways to do better. And so I started thinking about this and, and this is what I would suggest to you. When we think about anger and and how to deal with what we're calling human anger, the anger that's not healthy and not productive and not helpful. Here's the first thing I would tell you uh, that, that we have to do. The first thing I think God would say to us when we are experiencing this, he would say, look around. And this is what I actually mean by this. I really believe that God would have said to Samson in the cave, or if we find ourselves in a cave of anger, God would want us to look around and see where we find ourselves. My best friend says this, he says, out of control anger abandons us in a cave of misery, leaving behind a wake of broken relationships 
and damaged souls. And so the idea of a cave is a good idea because a cave often is thought of as a space of isolation. It's a place where we are, we are alone, where we are abandoned, where we are isolated. And the first thing I would want to say about anger, because here's what psychologists and those who study uh, human emotions suggest to us, that anger is never a front-facing emotion. It is also always, always a secondary emotion. Anger is never the leading emotion. It's a companion emotion, meaning that it always travels with a buddy. Uh, last year, when Beth and I celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary, we took each other on a trip to Alaska. And if, if you go at certain times of the year, you can actually see icebergs. And I want to show you a picture of an, of an iceberg. And if you were to think about this for a moment, what we learn about icebergs is most of the iceberg is underneath the water. And um, when we think about anger, there's actually kind of a pyramid scale that we can think about called the anger iceberg where there's anger up here and then there's all these other emotions that go with it. So if you're feeling angry, here's the best thing you can do with that. Take a moment to stop and, and look around and try to figure out where it is that anger is actually coming from. Let me give you an example. I am not, self-disclosing here, the most patient person on the planet. I feel the compassion in the room. And for years, my wife and I have joked, we love our home. We, we, we moved in our home in 1997, a week before we launched Community of Hope Church. And we live in a beautiful neighborhood, and we have lots of friends in our neighborhood. And, uh, but there's only one way in our neighborhood and one way out of our neighborhood. One way in, one way out. And I have this incredible, my wife says, spiritual gift that when I'm pulling into our neighborhood... There's always a car that pulls in in front of me and drives four miles an hour. (laughs) And for years, I've joked about this, even saying at different times, this is Satan. I'm under attack. And my wife has started to say, it is not Satan. It is the Holy Spirit. You are not under attack. God is working on your character. (laughs) Now, I'm not ready to say she's right, but I'm willing to be open to the idea. And sometimes when I pull in my neighborhood, I I just look for the car that is going to appear out of nowhere and get in front of me. And it makes me angry But really what's going on underneath it is probably I'm exhausted or I'm annoyed or I'm immature. I'm sitting there somewhere. (laughs) To get my point? So if you're angry, what's the first thing you want to do? Look around. Secondly, I would say this. Slow it down. Say it with me. Slow it down. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Uh, It comes from 
the, the, the disciple James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, um, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Do you see it? Do you see it? Quick to listen, okay? A lot of us would do well with that. Slow to speak. Uh, those who study this thing, uh, this this idea, say that we will have in a given day at least thirty conversations in one day. We will spend one half or one fifth of our life talking. Okay, they suggest that we will use around you know twelve to fifteen to twenty to some of us thirty thousand words in a day. And half the time, I think, if we were to slow some of that down we would be able to become angry more slowly and get it right. This is a very interesting idea. And one of the things that I find in Scripture when we talk about this idea of slowing it down, Proverbs 15, 18 says this, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. So here's what we're going to do with our anger. Suggestion for all of us. Look around, see what it's connected to. Slow it down so that you can maybe be open to the power of God getting control of it. And then lastly, this is an important one for me. I just entitled it, Switch the Crown. Notice what I did there? Huh? It all rhymes? Okay. Replace the crown. Look at James' verse, if we go on from James uh, 1, verses 19 and 20. Let's just go forward in that. Are, are you the car in the neighborhood? That Okay. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Look at this. Because anger, human anger, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Um, A lot of times when we're angry, we're trying to get our own way. And more and more as a follower of Jesus, I don't know where you are in your journey. I can tell you where I am in my journey, in my walk with Christ. Uh, More and more and more and more, uh, Jesus is inviting me and giving me the invitation to think less of myself and more of him. And here's what I want to tell you, the righteous life, let me just be clear, this is what you want. It's what you're looking for. It really is. In fact, James writes it a little bit later in verse, uh, cha- I think it's in chapter three, right, Julie, you want to help me there, James three? But the wisdom that comes from heaven, look at this, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Who doesn't want that? We all want that. And let me just tell you, the people around you, They want that. And this is possible. This is possible. If we learn how to look around, slow it down, 
and replace the crown. Move him into the position of Lord and Savior overall. We're going to close this morning with a song, and uh, I asked uh, Pastor Trevor to join me, and if, if this is a particular struggle for you or a particular struggle for someone you love, Trevor and I are just going to be here, and we'd love to just maybe lay our hands on you and offer a, a, a quick and simple prayer and ask God to meet you to bring healing and hope in this important situation. Um, the only hope we have, really, for our world is the body of Christ getting a hold of this concept and learning how to do it God's way. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you be with us in this space and in this time? Uh, I lay before you this morning right now, God, all who know internally that this is a struggle. And God, all of us, because we're human, we all struggle in certain ways, but there, for some of us, If we were to be honest, this is our Achilles heel. And uh, I want to pray for these people, and I pray that you would remove shame and remind them that you're there. And I pray for people, listening to my voice right now, who have been on the receiving end of anger out of control and who carry the scars and the wounds of that tragedy. And I pray for healing, and I pray for hope. And I pray that, Lord, you would give each of us a renewed sense of passion around pursuing the righteous life that you've called us to. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to say we're going to linger. Uh, For those who uh, want prayer, I'm going to ask the team to continue to play. And uh, I'm going to offer a benediction for those who are ready to leave. Uh, Lord, I thank you this morning uh, that through the power of your presence, you meet us here. And I'm just praying over people, Lord, what what I think you want us to understand, that you're the only one, God, who can restore unto us days locusts have taken from us. You're the only one who can redeem and heal us, Lord, uh, when we've been on the receiving end of anger out of control. Uh, You're the only one, God, who can take away the shame when we have used uh, anger in a way that hurts or wounds ourselves and others. And so, God, I pray that um, by that power that rests in you, not in any human being, would you bring the manifestation of your grace and your healing And would you call us as your people to be known for what you want us to be known for, which was this, my look at how they love one another. And so God, would you help us to be a force for good and a force for love in a world that is broken and oftentimes filled with hate. This we pray in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and for his glory alone in everyone said, amen. Praise God. See you next weekend.